Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. And it's the end of the world. Yeah, this may be our last show. I don't know. No. No, this is the weirdest times oh, I've ever God. lived through. I think since 9-11, this has been the weirdest thing to happen in my lifetime. Pardon me. I'm I'm sick, too. Well, but I don't have the coronavirus. I know, but I keep yelling at you like, it's going to incubate for two weeks. You don't know. Yeah, so I, I'll warn you guys ahead of time right now. And Amber was yelling about it. You might hear me sniffle a couple times throughout the show. I did my best to kind of stay away from the microphone and... And when I started to strain a little bit, I would just back away. But if you hear me sniffle, sorry about that. Um, I picked up something over the weekend. And don't worry, I immediately ran straight to urgent care and got all the testing and stuff well, done. Well, you didn't get tested, but they screened you. They screened me and said, you don't have any of the stuff for coronavirus. And none of you will ever meet me anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But just in case. <laughs> you can't get it audibly Just in yet. case if one day you hear, welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Amber. And Hi. that's all you hear. Well, Scott then you know why. Scott didn't survive the COVID. Scott didn't. He didn't, he didn't survive the coronavirus extinction him. event of 2020. <laughs> extinction event. But this is a really weird time right now. Uh, well, and, and, and you're right. It, it, it is the same as 9-11, I think, because it had... It just feels like there's a cloud. I don't mean a physical cloud, but it just feels like there's this cloud over over everything. Well, it's, nothing his, feels... it's history being made, and we're going to come out of this slightly different. Yeah, it's going to change Same us. as 9-11. Yeah, you're right. That That's really what it is. is it's going to change us as people. It's going to change our perception of how we live. I think we are going to be a bit more perceptive of, uh, of you know, things we do. Well, the whole like having... Cover your mouth, wash well, your hands. Germ, all these germ thing set aside, the whole thing with having maybe two weeks worth of food and water in your pantry. And I don't know, a lot of people don't seem to have pantries anymore. Like my grandparents... So we got a bunch of food here. Yeah, keep a but bunch of food typically here. we don't have like a lot of canned goods or things that are just We're not there. Y2K ready, but well, okay, yeah. yeah, we're not doomsday preppers, but yeah. like my grandma, they're not doomsday preppers, but they they have a pantry and there's probably months worth of vegetables and soups and condiments and just different things in there. And they just do that. Things something goes on sale at the store and they just buy a ton. And I that obviously as we're seeing in the media, people didn't do that. I knew the toilet paper. Well, thing people was weren't doing that. Now they're doing that well, and, and droves. In excess, which is creepy and I'm, doesn't surprise me. But I knew the toilet paper thing was going to happen because we have friends that are currently living in Hong Kong, and they already went through this bizarre toilet paper thing in Hong Kong. But everybody, everybody keeps asking that question: Why toilet paper? I don't know. There's a weird psychological thing with this. I, they're not even saying like people get like you know like insane diarrhea with this thing it's like so there's no urge to like have to go through tons of toilet paper or was it something in 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 china where know, that I, that's like the one of the number started, one commodities they have there and it just kind of followed it around the world there though so that's why and then it went to japan and then our friends in hong kong were like oh god now it's happening in japan i'm like well that's gonna happen here let's buy some extra toilet paper and so i mean we're fine we don't have to go running well, out but i know people that are like i only have one roll left and then they can't find any and, people and i know are hoarding it we we by no means full transparency uh, like you said, we're not doomsday preppers, but I, I'll admit, now this is what, okay, now a couple weeks ago, I called you and said, you know what, this coronavirus thing is, it, it feels different to me. Mm-hmm. You can ask my mom and dad about this too. I'm like, this coronavirus thing feels a little different to me. Something is up here and I'm going to buy some extra stuff. So mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of canned goods and soups and stuff like that. 
just in case, yeah, you know, you you, you are. We were stuck, literally yeah. stuck in our house. I, for, we'd have something easy to prep and sure. and, and so, somewhat nourishing, which was smart. It was good. It so I bought my parents, and I bought a bunch of bottle, you know, a bunch of jugs of water yeah. too, and I bought that for my parents also. I didn't. I for a while thought like that was like two weeks ago, just being overhyped in the media, and yes, we should all be mindful and stuff. But then the whole thing in Italy happened, and I was like, what? That's not good. But I didn't buy a skid. Well, of no. food. I just said, okay, we need something to get us by for a couple weeks. I didn't go nuts, but I'm like, something is telling me to do this. And I did. And I didn't spend like $3,000. I spent a couple hundred bucks and it's food that's going to get eaten. It'll get eaten one way or the other, right? Yeah. So it, it's there. So even if we don't use it, it will be used. I mean, don't use it as a survival tool. We'll use it. But something told me a couple weeks ago that this thing was different. And that's why I did what I did, and I'm glad I did it now. Um, so it's kind of cool having Daryl E. Barry Jr. on tonight because we're talking about out of body experiences where, you can, like right now in the world, it sort of feels out of body. That, and or you just want to leave. If you're quarantined, uh, maybe you're sick, or maybe you just have to stay in, uh, need something to do, and you're like, well, you know, that trip to. France got canceled. Hey, learn how to do an out-of-body experience and go stand in front of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, so I, I don't know. That's kind of a cool thing. I've always wanted, <coughs> I've always dabbled a little bit in lucid yeah. dreaming, and it freaked me out a little bit. So I think, like all things, you got to learn and practice. Um, and and I think just being in the dream state's fun anyway. Do, do you want Do you want to hear my dream? The weirdest dream I've ever had. My recent dream? Yeah, yeah. Should sure. I tell the listeners this dream? Is this the one you told me the other day? Yeah. Oh, God. This yeah, is, go ahead. This is the weirdest dream. And, and I don't know if anyone out there- one time in band camp? No, no, no. If, if, I write down my dreams when I can because they are so weird. And it's fun to just remember them. But I woke up at 2.30 in the morning from this dream, and I have a little voice recording at 2.30 of me whispering so I didn't wake you up, like talking about this dream. So anyway- of course, like every yeah, that's what it sounds like. Anyway, so in the dream, this house is totally different. There's like multiple levels. The and house we're in right now. Yeah, it's like our house, but it looks different. So I don't know. It's what was, you want it to be? No, it's not. This Victorian was, no, mansion. No, no, no. This was an ugly, weird ramshackle thing. It made no sense. So anyway, there's a window. We're looking out the window. You're standing by the door. These cars start pulling up. Well, this guy next to me, all of a sudden a shotgun's right next to me, aimed at these people pulling up. And I'm like, who the hell is, what the, I look, it's Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent, I forgot in the dream, is a recluse who lives on our second floor. So he's all weirded out that these people are pulling up. And then you go, it's okay. I invited these people over. So as they open the door, all these like, weird pretentious hipsters start walking in and ted and i both look at each other and go dirty hippies like in unison really weird ted decides to walk away put his gun away he goes back up to the second floor i look at these people i'm instantly like angry and i look at you and i'm like why are these people here i don't want them here and one of the girls looks at me and goes i think it's cute how honest you are and i was like oh oh i'm gonna go hang out with ted so I go upstairs to hang out with Ted while you proceed to start partying with the pretentious hipsters. Ted, come to find out, makes homemade Ouija boards. Mm, go figure. So I start asking him how he made this one board, and <laughs> we start having to do some like weird little circular movement with our, I don't even know. I guess I break part of the board. And they're like these little wooden balls with seeds in them that he had to make to activate the board. Again, this is my dream. It doesn't make any sense. So whatever. Ted's bummed I broke part of his spirit board. Then all of a sudden, this 
group of people come into Ted's space, clear all of his furniture and carpeting, push it to the side of the walls, and it's like an Indian dance slash acting troupe with a blue cheetah. Ted looks at me because I'm like, what the F is this? Like, I am getting so mad in this dream. And he's like, well, you didn't know that Scott allowed these people to practice here? And I'm like, what? So they start practicing. And then the blue cheetah attacks me, starts gnawing on my shoulder. And I actually can feel the, like, teeth going into me. It's not hurting, but, like, it's like a dull, weird pain. I get, I'm surprised Ted didn't, like, want to hunt it. So he, somehow I get the blue cheetah off of me. And then I look and there's all these weird crisscross, like, things and my shoulder's starting to bleed. I'm like, what the hell? I got to do something. So what do I do? I'm like, I got to find Neosporin. Because I guess that's what you do for blue cheetah bites. I tell the dance troupe to get the F out. And I'm actually swearing. I've been swearing more in my dreams, which is something I never do. Never did in the past. Told them to get out. They weren't welcome anymore. And then went back downstairs, found you. You're just partying, like, drunk now with the pretentious hipsters. I show you my cheetah bite. This is kind of like an app, uh, uh, minus the hipsters. This is kind of like an app, well, as far as, like, the partying part. What about it? Me being drunk and okay, well, whatever. You look at the. You but have, I don't have pretentious hips. You don't care that I've been bitten, bitten by a blue cheetah and I'm starting to bleed. I wouldn't care if I was drunk. That's I'm well, whatever. I would so care. I would I'm care very still. Much. I'm like I need Neosporin and no one would give it to yeah. me. So then I go upstairs and then it's suddenly my cousin's bedroom and her parents' house. So Dream does this weird thing and there's this couple in the bedroom. I kind of look at them. They're not doing anything, but I thought, mm, you two were up to some shenanigans or you're about to be up to some shenanigans. So I look at them and I go, I need Neosporin. I got a cheetah bite. And they look at me and they offer me antibacterial lube, which I then put on my shoulder. And then I had to pee in reality. So I was trying to find a toilet in the dream and they were all dirty. And I finally woke up. There's no dirty toilets in this house. No, but there was because part of the house was also a bowling alley and bad pizza place, and that's where I ended the dream. That that was like that must have been the ma- well that pizza isn't bad at the Magic Bag though in Detroit because there's a bowling alley and pizza place down there. I don't know. It didn't look familiar to me. It was just all of a sudden I was in a bowling alley slash pizza place that I guess was still connected to the house. A beer would have really helped to get through that. Not that I was bored, but that was just tripping me out. Oh my god. It is St. Patty's Day, after all. We're taping this on St. Patty's Day. Okay, well, I'm not drunk. I wasn't drunk when I had that dream. I'm not on anything, but that was my dream. So, anyway, yeah, the dream Dar- world is a very weird, weird state. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. I don't uh, think I want to wake up within that dream and do an out-of-body thing, but... No, that would be too intense. <laughs> I'd be like hanging out with Ted Nugent. <laughs> yeah, we, we spoke to Daryl E. Barry Jr. today. Yeah. A really, really cool fellow. Uh and I'm really happy we got to have him on. Uh, he's, uh, what, do you, what do you got in your hand? I got his bio. Oh, you got his bio? Oh, you got yeah. his bio. I was going, okay, hey, it's all you. The floor is yours, Yeah. Daryl E. Berry Jr. is a lifelong practitioner, researcher, and observer of all things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, including the out-of-body experience, extraterrestrial life, consciousness development, channeling, telepathy, spirituality, especially A Course in Miracles, and other non-dualistic thought and fourth density thought. His first book, Travel Far, A Beginner's Guide to the Out-of-Body Experience, including first-hand accounts and comprehensive theory and methods, is the first of several books to be published. And he's working on his next book. I know he was telling us it's going to have some more um, More stuff about extraterrestrial stuff, which I'm super excited about. 
And you can visit him at www.darylberryjr.com. It's going to be linked up on our website. Yeah. And uh, you can explore his courses and books and all the cool things he has to offer. Fascinating fellow. Wow. Uh, yeah, guys, please. Uh, well, I mean, this is St. Patty's Day. is going to be over with by the time I say this. So never mind about the St. Patty's Day blessing. Enjoy our conversation with Mr. Daryl E. Berry Jr. Barry Jr., thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't thank you enough for taking some time to come and chat with us tonight. How are you this evening? I'm doing great, sir. You're welcome. It is glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's a real pleasure. Um, I know, I guess we we have to say something about the elephant in the room here. <laughs> well, it's been kind of an interesting week. I Now, you're in Texas. Uh, we're in Michigan. Just out of curiosity, before we get into the good stuff here, um, how is things down there with you guys as far as all the insanity that this country's experiencing this week? Uh, apparently, it seems to be pretty serious. I'm hearing people, um, <clears throat> like their kids' schools are getting shut down, and yeah, uh, you, know, you know, parents' works are getting shut down. It seems crazy. Yeah, it sounds like you're having the same stuff happen down there that we're having up here. Um, Everything's closing down. Um, as a matter of fact, I just saw on, on you know, and it's social media, so you can only take it with so much seriousness. But somebody said that there's been some school systems that are shutting down for the rest of the year, like through two, two like I think Oklahoma has already decided mean, to do that. Yeah, they're shutting down for the entire year. Like there's like they're done. You mean through December? Through December, yeah, through the entire year. Uh, they're shutting down. I, I don't know why. I mean, it seems well. I don't so... know. I don't know about the entire year, but at least they're going to end the school year like it's done. They're not going to go back and end in June. Um, well, yeah. So they're just done for this. But yeah, that... they still have to do like home. But they're lessons. talking about not going. They're not talking about not starting back up again until 2021. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's part. what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah, 2021. They're saying. All right. Now. Well, that's crazy town. Yeah, that is crazy town. But you know what? Better safe than sorry. I, I guess so. But you know what? If you want to be safe and you're quarantined, the best thing to do right now is to learn how to go on an out-of-body experience. And this is, yeah, this is when we were prepping for this this show, Daryl. I'm like, well, this is actually quite fitting <laughs> for the times we're in right now discussing this subject uh, and, and getting into the meat of this thing. Um, I guess the first thing, I mean, let's start with the basics here. I mean, this is... what. You're, you're obviously you've done this. How did you get into having out of body experiences, Daryl? Well, one of the things that I uh, uh, that to me helped to uh, ferment the reality of the experience is because I got into it spontaneously. Like I, I didn't hear or, or know anything about it. I was actually about four or five years old, and um, what happened is I was in at home one day, and I started to feel very lethargic and heavy. And I told my mom, I'm not, I'm not feeling well. I'm about to go lie down. And I remember that the, the closer I got to the bed, um, the heavier I got as I walked to my room until I just plopped down on the bed and, and went to sleep. 
Okay. And after a certain period of time, I started to feel a whole lot better. So I figured, well, let me get up and tell my mom I'm feeling better. So she was not worried because I told her earlier that I was, I was feeling bad. Yeah. So I got up out of bed and I went to go, go talk to her. But when I went to open up my bedroom door, my hand went through the doorknob. So uh, I thought that was quite curious. I went to open the, the, the door again and my hand went through the doorknob again. That's when I looked back toward the bed and saw the lump on the bed that was my physical body, apparently, under the sheets. Uh, so I walked through the, the door and I walked through the intervening walls and the beeline to the kitchen. Uh, I remember uh, the house was built inside the house was built like a U. Like basically the kitchen was on this side. The bedrooms was on the other side. Uh, the living room was in the front. And in the that little empty part of the U, if you could imagine, was all the plumbing and everything in the center of the house towards the back. Yeah. So I walked through all of that. And I remember I, I was glowing. Like I remember I was strong off light, even though I was in between the walls with all the plumbing and everything. There was light coming from me. I thought that made me stop and just pause for a moment and look at that. Then I walked through the, uh, the, the wall on the opposite of the kitchen and emerged from the kitchen and saw my mom in the kitchen cleaning or doing whatever she was doing. And I tried to get her attention, but she couldn't hear me, of course. And uh, eventually I lost awareness and I woke up the next morning. And uh, I remember running out the next morning telling her mom I was out of my body. And she was like, of course, all you was just dreaming. Uh, but I was able to point out some things she was doing that seemed specific enough to where she was like, you know, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about this and that detail. Um, and and that, was, that was my first experience. And that's how I started. Wow. So and you were what you were walking around the house, obviously, you said now you said that you I'm wondering what your you said some details you said that you gave your mom after that you were able to tell her maybe what she was doing when you were walking around yeah, yeah. the house, correct? I was able to give her like a recounting like you did this and then you put the spatula there and then you <laughs> did this and then you did that. And I was able to give her a good recounting of what she did in sort of sequence. Um, so I don't think that might pass as scientific evidence so to speak but it well, was a you know to me it meant it, it meant a lot and uh my experiences went from there at, at first i didn't really um i guess really think much of it because even though my mom said it was just a dream i just figured okay i won't tell her about it anymore um but i figured i guess most people must do this all the time because i didn't do anything special at the time at least i wasn't aware of um yeah. later as i did some more research I, I learned some of the things i did that helped to accelerate the experiences um but suffice it to say i had several experiences as a kid of walking around the neighborhood and just floating out of the body and um the first thing i did conscientiously was i was in elementary school and the teacher was teaching us about big ben i guess we was learning about different cultures that day or whatever yeah so i figured out oh, you know what maybe i could i could go visit big ben so that night I, as i went to sleep i focused on going to big ben and sure enough I materialized out of body right in front, right in front of Big Ben the clock, and um, I, I noticed the surroundings, and it it shocked me that it was it was daytime there. But of course, that's on the other side of the planet. But I'm like, wow, it's daytime, and, yeah. uh, and of course, it occurred to me. But then I noticed that I was I was naked, so <laughs> oh, oh. I went to try to cover myself up, and eventually the shock of it, uh, what I learned to call uh, fell safe. You just get pulled back to your body extremely fast. Um, but years later, I, I pulled up some images online of, of the area, and it matched what I remember seeing. Um, and, and my experiences just, just kept on uh, accelerating. So 
you said a couple things there that kind of piqued my interest. Um, as far as, I mean, out of body experience, I may I may use some other terms. If I do, I apologize. But in this situation, you said that you 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 OB'd uh, to Big Ben, and you said it was daytime there, but it was not, obviously it was nighttime where you were at because you were in you were sleeping or you were in bed. You said it was daytime when you when you went to that location. That's correct. I wonder, you know, I mean. As far as this is concerned, and I'm just exploring ideas with this thing. Um, if this is some type of, I mean, I, I hate to use this term because I know people love to use this word, but teleporting, I guess that that's the word. Um, maybe you're teleporting to a certain place in time and not just a place like in real time. Like, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to move, I'm going to OB myself at this time of the day to this place, right? Which, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was still it would still be night there, I think, right? So I'm wondering if it's a different idea, I guess. And again, I'm just kind of throwing ideas here. Is this is it just taking you there to a random time where it may be in the daytime when you're clearly sleeping in bed? You see what I'm saying? Yes. Well, I've had experiences with time travel, uh, both intentional and unintentional. At the time, I did not think about time travel at all so i didn't i can't really speak to that directly oh yeah yeah but but my experience is that it was daytime because it's on the other side of the planet you know like it's nighttime here but in in uh england and china and stuff like that is is daytime because they're they're on the other side of the planet facing the sun that's the conclusion i had yeah you know when i got back in you are right it's it is it is a big enough time difference where it may be daytime it's It's night like we're sleeping at 2 a.m and it's morning for them there yeah yeah okay fine all right, I was just thinking. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, no, that's an interesting idea. I'm wondering idea, if though. you can time travel by use, utilizing out of yeah. body experiences. Um, you can though. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. So where? So, what have you seen? How how did how did that happen? Well, uh, it was a handful of time travel experiences. The first one happened quite spontaneously. Um, and actually, I can't even remember what happened in that one. I just know that I, I went to a different time. It was a different period of my life, and it was just a random experience. Um, the first one that – the next one that happened that uh, was very definite and actually uh, gave me some definite understanding that I went through time was I was a kid, and I had an out-of-body experience. And that reminds me of another time travel experience. This reminded me about another one as well where I didn't necessarily time travel. But – so what happened is uh, I was a kid and I had a spontaneous out-of-body experience. But in this out-of-body experience, it was very different because I was in the body, but I was in somebody else's body and I was looking through their eyes. Um, so at the time, I couldn't control their body or anything like that. I was just it was like I was looking through the windows of their eyes and just seeing what they saw wherever they turned their head. So this person was in this room, uh, brown walls, and uh, and they were doing something strange like they had these little white strips of paper and they were like writing on them or something and he's just doing it over and over these ripe strips of paper and um and then suddenly the person just started frantically looking around the room just looking around the room and again i can't control this person's body i could just see through their eyes and just see from the vantage point of where they're turning their head so this person is frantically looking around the room looking around the room um and then this person just starts dealing with these little white stickers again so I'm like, okay, I mean, this is strange. Um, and that's, this was, must have been when I was like, let's say, 10 or, 10 or 12 years old. So cut two, when I was about 18 or 19, I moved out and, mo- and moved to this sort of commune. Um, and what I did for a living was I sold incense. So I would buy like bulk 
incense uh, uh, sticks, and I will buy the little plastic bags you put them in, and I will buy the little white stickers that you write the flavor on there, mm, stick yeah. it on the plastic bags, and I did that every morning to keep them fresh, open it up, and pack them all that morning, and went out and sold them. So there's one particular morning, I was packing my incense and, you know, putting the stickers on the tab, putting the stickers on the, on the plastic bag and then stuffing them. Then I thought, I just, I just became aware, this is it. This is that day. And I, and I, could, I, could, I could feel myself looking out. And I, I was like, wow, this is it. And in, and in, in shock of realizing this is it, I started to frantically looking around the room to say, wow, is this the room that I saw? When I had that out of body experience, I'm looking around the room saying, yep, I remember this. Is... Then I thought, wow, this is why <laughs> the future me looked around the room. Yeah. Because the future me realized the past me was in myself and looked around the room to confirm. Yeah. So it, it all made sense. So I was like, wow. And then the experience ended when, you know, then I was like, okay, I went back to doing my incense thing. But that was pretty cool. So I, was, I, had, I had knowledge of the, 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 the decor of that room years into the future. I had, I had <laughs> knowledge of not necessarily, well, I guess you could say what I was doing. I didn't really understand what I was doing in the past time. But obviously I saw that I was, you know, taking the little white strips and putting them on the incense bags. So that was a very cool experience. So, and I mean, obviously a lot of people would call that deja vu. That would be, that'd be one idea of that. I mean, I know I've been in, I mean, in, in context of that term, I know I've been to places where I felt like I've been, well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking too I, far. I mean, it seems like that, that would be an element of deja vu with something like that. But you're saying that you saw, yeah. Your brain stopped my on brain, that. Well, Your yeah. Brain. No, this is super cool because this is like a sci-fi movie. Like, yeah, well, it's his, messing with my head. His young well, come on. self at one moment is looking through the eyes of his older self. Yeah. Right. And both are sort of acknowledging it at the same time, but yet different time frames, which is just trippy. So that isn't deja vu. I'm just running my mind. I don't know. I feel like deja vu, like you've kind of been like, I've been here and done this already. Well, that's what you, but Daryl, I mean, I don't want to put words well, put in like mouth. this, I mean. It, deja vu like I've experienced deja vu like I have a tendency like I have a sort of time travel tendency like whenever I start to meditate again and stuff like that because you know I go off and on throughout the years I start to be aware of the future like one common thing that happens when I meditate very strongly I would I would hear myself reading a book when I used to read a whole lot more I would just hear myself in my mind reading a book like I say I'm washing the dishes and I'm just hearing myself reading a book and I would go buy a book randomly let's say a week or two later and i start reading the book and i realize this is the book i'm reading so i have a tendency to go into the future i remember and i have i have i've had several days i've experiences i remember one time at my grandmother's house we had a family dinner over there and i had a deja vu experience and i was able to i just knew everything everybody was going to say i knew everything everybody was going to do and this is one very strange thing that happened i, I don't i don't i never heard this anywhere else i knew everything that was going to happen I knew everything everybody was going to say. It's kind of like when you when you have that song on that you don't quite know the words to, but when it's playing, you know the yeah. words, and you know what is going to come. Yeah. And I knew everything everybody was going to do. And when it came my turn to say something, like I knew what the conversation was, when it came my turn, I knowingly didn't say something. And everything stopped. It was the oddest thing in the world. So imagine you're in a, you're in a conversation with everybody and everybody just talking, it's going back and forth. And you know this person's going to say A, this person's going to say B, then I'm going to say C. And it comes to my turn to say, see, I'm just quiet. And everything stopped. Nobody said anything. Everybody was just sitting there. And then I said, see, and, there, and it just picked up. It was like you paused a movie. So now that experience, I was only aware 
of my future, of my present self being aware of what was happening, right? But the fact is, I, I could have in the past traveled to the future and had that experience of being in my body, but just didn't remember it. I mean, right. I, I know for a fact that we have a lot of out-of-body experiences that we don't remember. I, I've seen people out-of-body, and then I talk to them in-body, and they have no recall at all. I've also seen people out-of-body and talk to them in-body, and at least one of my friends, yeah. and he was able to confirm it. So it's possible that, that deja vus or out-of-body experiences into the future that we don't remember. That well, is very yeah. possible. Well, that's what I, I was just thinking. may not have remembered that out-of-body experience. Now, yeah. another thing about, about uh, awareness of the future is um, I remember there was a period of time when I had this spontaneous out-of-body experience. Um, but, but, but I guess, I guess you could not, not necessarily caught in an out-of-body experience. It was sort of an awareness of, of a future, a, a past time. It was me before I incarnated and I was sitting in this dimension with this being, which I took to be using this like the advanced being in a spirit guide. And we were looking at, I guess you can say the non-physical version of a television and I looked at my entire life play out. This being was sitting next to me, and I literally look at my entire life from beginning to end before I incarnated. So I think part of our deja vu is as well remembering that experience. Because sometimes when I have deja vus, that's what happens. I would have a deja vu, and I was like, I knew it was going to happen. And then suddenly I would be back there looking at my life before I incarnate again. So uh, in my experience, sometimes it's just a psychic premonition you're just you're just you're just aware of the future yeah. for that period of time sometimes it could be an out-of-body experience into the future that you don't remember and sometimes in my experience it's a recall of the fact that all time is actually one it is all happened anyway everything that has ever happened or will happen has already happened and apparently we can spend some time before we incarnate looking at what we're going to do and i remember asking the, the being like that's that's my life that's what i'm going to be doing and he's like, yeah, that, that's your life. That's, that's what's going to be happening. And I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, I remember looking at it before I came. And, and, and certain periods of time, like I said, I, I could just I could see what was happening. Like, I remember looking at this. Yeah. Why, why am I getting upset? I knew what I was getting into. I remember seeing this happening, you know. So Yeah. So, I mean, this, so we're, I mean, bottom line, as far as this is concerned, this is predetermined. And what I found interesting, though, what you said, though, too, is when you know – like the conversation you were having, you said it was like putting it on pause when you knew what was coming and you decided to just kind of, <coughs> excuse me, just kind of not say something. And it was that's like correct. putting the pause button on the conversation. I, because, and that's where I start to really wonder about things. It's because, okay, mechanically, and I mean, I know this is really, this is an impossible thing to really answer, but it's interesting to think about is What's really happening there? What what is causing you to be able to pause that conversation? Why why can't things just kind of play out and just kind of see where they're going to go? That's under this idea that things are predetermined, like you said, though. Like so, it has to be locked in somehow where things can't change if it's predetermined. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. So but go ahead. I do know one thing that that experience sort of terrified me because I was scared I was going to break something in the universe. So I never did again. I just <laughs> played my part. I was like. You know, because what happened there? Like that conversation started up, it fit, that conversation finished five or ten seconds later than it was supposed to. So there's somebody, I just like, okay, I can't, I can't be doing this. So I just play my part. But <laughs> yeah. um, at the same time, so I, I'm also into A Course in Miracles. And I had, I had, a, I had an experience 
beyond anything I've ever experienced out of body dealing with A Course in Miracles, right? Okay. And okay. I know I know from that experience that all the universe, all time is all, is all, uh, it's not necessary to say set in stone because that sort of intimates that uh, some body in the, like, almost like we wrote it out or, it, it, I don't know, it has some connotations. It's really one mind that in one instant projected the whole universe at one time and 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 that's not to say that um everything is necessarily set in stone in one way in other words um do, do y'all remember those books i remember as a kid they had those books where it was multiple choice choose your adventure yeah choose your adventure yeah yeah, and that's exactly how the universe is. So it's like you get to this chapter, and you know, um, is Daryl going to, you know, get that job, or is Daryl going to get that job? Both of those eventualities are already written. They're both in the book, but you're going to flip to either that page to, to read getting that job, or that page and read and getting the other job, or yeah. that page and not getting a job. All of those scenarios are already written, already in the book. You can't change any scenario. But you can pitch, pick which scenario you, you want to, to live through. And then each, each one of those branches has several different branches. And each one of those branches. So um, yeah. in the end, it ends up being a very, very, very large array of choices that we have. But again, every single possible choice in existence is already there. Um, and that's, that's, my, uh, that's my experience. Um, so yeah. looking at it from that perspective, that experience, they, 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 they have to obviously have been a a timeline in which that pause happened to give my understanding, but still understanding that it still terrifies me because I don't want to break anything at the same time and experience <laughs> some timeline where you know there's some paradise going on because I don't fooled around. Um, but yeah, you could you could actually do some interesting things with time and out of body experience. Well, it's funny all this you're saying, and, it, and this is all so fast, especially these ideas because you know that makes more sense to me that idea because I mean if you were predeterminism and saying you're locked into one timeline, there's nothing you can deviate in any way whatsoever. Uh, that seems more plausible to me because uh, just in, in life and we all, and we all, we experience these things in our real lives too. I mean, the universe very likely is playing into this too, but here in this heavy existence we have, right? This gravity, gravity driven experience life we're having right now. Um, you know, we every day I think we make decisions. I know I do. And I know when I was like in my 20s and 30s, they seemed, the, the, well, I'll say the gravity of that seemed a much heavier then too. It seemed way more serious to me. And I find the older I get, I'm like, okay, look, you know what? Let's not try to control this too much. Let's, 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 let, it, let's let it fly. We'll go this way. We won't think too much about it. And we're going to see how this plays out, right? And the funny thing is, I you know, when it comes to this idea, Daryl, for me at least, is, you know, I'm making decisions every day, like I said. I know you are. I know Amber is. And, and I do analyze these things still very close, but not with that anxiety I used to have, right? It's, it, I'm still watching what I'm doing. I'm still conscious of what I'm doing. But I'm kind of going, hey, you know what? Let's just let's just be a little more free bird about this thing. Let's let's chill a little bit. But I still watch, and I'm still and I and, and I think it's a matter of the right attitude because I think sometimes you may flip to the wrong chapter, like you said, Daryl. Sometimes you may make a mistake, 
Uh, and I know I have. I know I, any any smart person. They're going to make mistakes, and they're going to be they're going to be aware of that mistake, uh, and they're going to learn from that, of course. Uh, and they won't turn to that chapter again. Uh, so it seems like this is it lines right into what we do as people. It seems like if this is all one giant system in the universe, it seems like it would it would align perfectly with our lives here and our daily lives on this planet. Don't you think? Well, it's it's. Our normal perspective as a human being is hard to imagine the 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 scope uh, of the of this this one mind and this one projection. But yeah, all the universe and all the alternate universes, every single one is all part of one projection. So it's not like the nothing different here is happening than uh, any other planet or any other galaxy or this universe or any other universe. Is all one projection? Has all been written? You can say. Uh, in one instant and all the all the alternate courses you can have and so on and so forth but it's still all written and it's all one projection okay um so um you can you can it is it's very much like that holographic idea like you know you can cut a hologram and and each different part of the hologram it contains the whole image like you know the the whole universe and all the different universes when i say universe i really mean the whole multiverse you could say okay is all just one projection of one idea and it's all just just this uh 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 fractal i guess you can say repeats of the same idea in different forms okay i'm tripping out right now i know I you take over okay <laughs> because i i really what i want to know because we're talking about different yeah. dimensions and the multiverse and all this stuff yeah. um one of the things when i was reading daryl's book uh travel far yeah you have had a lot of experiences with engaging with extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. And I think that is awesome because I do feel that a lot of people who are contactees claim that they have had this type of communication through out-of-body experiences or going into a meditative state because there's a possibility that these other entities, they can communicate with us telepathically or you know because if hey if you're far away or in a different dimension how else are you going to communicate I, I don't know if you can enlighten us with a few of your like stories or like some of the first stories that or sure. experiences you had with this yes my my actually and i guess i can't can't be certain that these beings are uh, extraterrestrials but sure. I, my, my understanding is that they are like my very very first experience with these types of beings is when i was a kid i guess i was about uh, five or six or something like that and uh, they would appear in my bedroom and just just pour knowledge into my mind. It was three beings standing in a semicircle next to my bed. And um, the impression I got was they, they were like these short grays, if I was to use the information I have now, but except they were just made of light. Um, and that just la that lasted for so long, and it just gave me a lot of information. Um, one of the, the most ongoing uh, relationship I had with an extraterrestrial throughout our body travel is this being named Okanos. And uh, basically what happened is I was practicing over year again uh, during this one period and, and uh, this being started to, uh, actually, let me take that back, I actually started practicing channeling. I, I practiced a whole lot of psychic stuff just to verify and confirm it's real or whatever. So I actually started practicing channeling at this period of time. And I contacted several different types of beings. And um, it eventually I started contacting this one being called Okanos. And we and we got better and better at communicating, and to the point where I was able to communicate. I mean, even more easily than we're talking right now, just telepathically. And uh, but then he started to tell me, well, you know, come come start to meet me out of body, 
And at first I used to see him wearing this purple robe. He used to wear this this purple robe that covered his face and his hands and everything so I couldn't see any, any of his body. Right. And uh, and then another time I had an out-of-body experience where uh, I, I intended to go to this area called the Akashic Records to see if it was real. And uh, and I saw him there. And that's when I saw him as this gray alien being. Uh, and what he told me is, and of course I can't verify any of this, but this is what he in, informed me. He said, "I was your father in the previous life." He said, "You were you lived on this this planet of these tall grays, and uh, you took me out of body to the planet is is destroyed." And he said, "You know, we had a war. We killed ourselves, and and that's what 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 has you on this planet." Uh, which reminds me, when I was a kid, um, I used to see this gray alien in in our living room all the time. Um, I used to just and I, and I can't really say cause when you're out of body and you do it enough, the the like if you're in a period of very frequent out of body travel, at least in my experience, the physical world and the non-physical world start to become, they start to seem the same. Like you're you're constantly in this this semi-lucid dream all the time. So I, I you know I can't even be sure if I was in body or out of body doing doing these experiences. Really, I count them as out of body experiences because it was sort of dreamy, but. You know, I, but we could talk about how it could start to blend. Uh, but suffice it to say, I would I would walk out my bedroom, I would walk into the living room, and there would be standing this gray alien just staring at me, and I'd be staring at him. And um, at one time, I, uh, I opened up the door. He was standing in front of the door, and I looked out. I walked out and saw this crab hovering, you know, in front of the house over the, the tree. And um, he told me um, that I was part of their family before. And I'm and I'm here on Earth now, um, so you know it seemed like I have some 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 uh, 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 relation with the Grays. Um, but back to Okino, so we we talked a lot, and um, he taught me a lot of things, a lot of things about it, about the travel. He has a different perspective on it, and um, I remember one time I was I was riding my bike, and uh, he just yelled in my head, "Stop!" So I stopped, and uh, this truck just roared out from behind this, this this there was a big grocery store and then there was an alley then there was another big grocery store so you have these big buildings with this little aisle in between them so i guess the buildings sort of uh uh caused the sound to ricochet but i couldn't hear the truck yeah uh, but if i had kept going i'd have been i'd have been hit by that truck uh, another time i was riding my bike and um i was going to work and he told me hey take this take this route instead I you know i always had my same route that i went and, uh, and he said, well, take this ride instead. By the time uh, I've, I've not listened to and listened to enough of his advice to know, okay, if he says I should do something, I should probably do it because it's just better for me. So he was like, you know, go this route. I was like, okay. And, we, and again, we're talking telepathically. It's just like it's like a, a, a voice I can talk to in my head. And uh, so I, I took this right turn and I went on this roundabout way. It didn't take much longer to get to work. Uh, but when I was heading to the gate to get into work, I saw this stranger scene, like I saw these two guys crouching behind a, a car. And uh, but from the direction I was coming, I can see them in front of the car. But if I was coming from my normal direction, they would have been behind the car. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So but now I'm coming up behind them and uh, and I'm looking like, what's what's going on? And uh, they hear me coming. They turn around. Oh, he's coming from that direction. And one of them had this metal baton in his hand. I was like, oh, okay. So it was going to jump me to try to, I don't know, beat me up or steal my bike. So, you know, so, I mean, it's experiences like that tell Whoa. me. 
that uh, he was a real being, or, or I guess you could say, is some kind of psychic uh, thing. But you know, thought he was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I would and, put him uh, on my cool list if he yeah. saved me from getting mugged. Yeah, I, I, I definitely will be on <laughs> yeah. my cool list. Uh, and this is a voice you heard. Yes, right. Yeah, you know, I've had experiences the same though, and and I can say you know, without going into too much detail, um, I've had the I've had something just. I can't say I've had a voice very clear in my head say, Scott, um, you better slow down here at this rest stop or whatever it may be. Uh, and, you know, but I've had feelings. I've had impulses where it's like, slow down. Something mm-hmm. just, something tells me. I can't really put my finger on it. That's right. Uh, and I, I mean, one of the ones I, for example, when Amber lived uh, far away from, from me before we moved in together, uh, I was driving out to her place and there was a certain road I had to, had to, you know, get off on to go into her town and something usually I would, I would be, to be honest, I would usually do like 10 over on this road. Uh, the main road, it was like 55 and I would do 65 just to kind of truck through. And I got on the road that night and something said, you know, do the speed limit. You're not in any rush here. This isn't a race. Just chill out. Do the speed limit. Okay. And that's just, I remember just feeling that impulse. And I remember this because of what you're about to hear. Because I'm driving along and somebody comes up behind me and I'm doing the speed limit, of course. So that wasn't good enough for this guy. So I can see him visibly getting annoyed in this in the rear view. And he's kind of darting back and forth, you know, angrily <laughs> with his car. So he decides he's going to make an illegal pass. Fine. He makes his illegal pass. I don't think anything about it. I'm like, I'm just going to do the speed limit. I'm, I'm not in a rush here. We're, we got plenty of time. It's fine. Go down about another couple miles. I see brake lights everywhere. And I look and I see, as I pull up, slow down and pull up, I see uh, like an SUV on its side and another car with a guy's body hanging out, literally hanging out the window of the car. And you the, mean the, ca- front, the front window? Well, the side window of the car. Okay. No, the front window would have been insane. This guy was actually hanging out the side, the, the you know, the driver's side window. Mm. The car that passed me uh, was part was parked over on the side of the road, right? Uh, so I pulled up and got out, and I went to that guy's window and I knocked on his window and did call him like, "Hey, idiot!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and he was in shock. Now he clearly wasn't hurt, but he was in shock. And I said, have you called the ambulance? Oh, no. I'm going, well, I go, how about you call the ambulance and I'm going to go see what's going on over here. Long story short, um, I mean, it was kind of a haunting thing that somebody was, somebody got on top of the, the, the turned over SUV and looked in there and I said, what do you see? And they're like, they can't be alive. I'm like, oh my God, that's horrendous. And the guy in the car, he did come too. He was hanging out the window and it was really scary because I thought he was dead. Uh, but he did come too, and kept repeating, I, I, have a ma- I have a major head injury. I have a major head injury. He was just repeating it over and over again. So, I mean, with all that, all them details, the bottom line is I, I got to Amber's, and I said, you know, if I would have been speeding that night, if something hadn't have told me to slow down that night, I may have been a part of that accident. Uh, who knows, right? But that's what I believe. Like, okay, I could have been a part of that accident and I could have been killed. Something could have happened to me, right? So I think, I think maybe we all have, maybe we do have 
somebody that talks to us. Maybe you're more tuned. You're well. I know you're clearly more tuned into it than I am because I'm as psychic as the laptop I'm staring at right now too. I mean, I don't have. I don't have those. I'm not. I'm not psychic. I'm try. I try. I'm not good at it. But maybe we do have those voices or something that guides us through our lives and keeps us safe if we listen to it. You follow of what course, I'm saying? De- definitely. Since then, I've done a lot of reading on it and, and my my according to my research everybody has spirit guides um like literally every single person has a, at least one or uh, usually multiple and um and what happens is we we uh, that's a common occurrence um sometimes when they when a when a being telepathically sends something to us it could just come up as an impulse and and, and you might think of it as your own impulse and of course they don't care they just want you to to get the guidance or whatever yeah um but a lot of times we have good matter of fact um, I don't know if you know of this, this guy named Daryl Anka. He'd be a great, great guy to interview as well. He channels this alien called Bashar, and Bashar said that uh, Star Trek, that you know, because Star Trek, of course, is a big deal. It's been on, this is going on for like ages now. Oh yeah, yeah. Big, big impact on society. And he said a lot of their episodes they got through through telepathic. Um, impulses from alien races and from humanity as well. They say, you know, a lot of people want to have a, you know, it's a very big um, um, idea of hope how, of how the future can be. And they picked up on humanity wanting hope for a better future. And they, and they put that in there. And um, some things ETs uh, telepathically sent to them, they, they put some of that in there. And, yeah, and they didn't yeah. know they were doing it. It was just, wow, I have this great idea to do this. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it is very common. Um, and in my experience, being psychic is is not necessarily a special ability or being more in tune. It's just being uh, uh, either more trained or more willing. You know, because like I've said, I've, I've in my I said in my times when I practice, uh, I find I'm aware of the future. But if I don't practice and meditate, then I'm I'm not aware of this stuff consciously anymore. Yeah. Um. And and you know, I went through years where I didn't practice, and I just. I had no out-of-body experiences, no psychic stuff. I was just a regular person. So, But at the same time, when I practice and I meditate, then I could have out-of-body experiences and stuff again. So my, my experience is that everybody is psychic. And also through my experience teaching people. I've, I've taught people to have out-of-body experiences. I've taught people um, to, to start to have psychic experiences. And it's just a matter of applying yourself and opening your mind to it. And that brings up the fear aspect. The fact is, this stuff is, is frightening sometimes, even to me sometimes. I mean... Because logically speaking, thinking about it, I mean, if I can go on to the future, I mean, <laughs> you can know a lot. I mean, right. imagine imagine if you knew the future all the time. But at the same time, it's kind of frightening. I mean, it's kind of, almost kind of like cheating or, or I don't know. So, so there's a certain um, part of our mind that's afraid that doesn't want us to access this stuff. And, of course, we're here for a reason. If we knew everything, then we won't be able to have the experiences that we chose to have, including the mistakes. So it's all a big, big dynamic that's set up where we're, we're part of our choice is to not, for instance, meditate as much as you probably could so that you can hear those beings consciously so you can have certain experiences of being a non-psychic person. So it's all uh, a choice that we make on a, on a sub-subconscious level. And you're right about the fear factor because when I started experiencing uh, lucid dreaming, like I was intentionally trying to lucid dream, which I, I figure is sort of like a brand of out-of-body experience. And I, the first few times, well, I don't even know if it was intentional, but the first few times in my dream that I woke up and found myself like floating on the ceiling and, and not being able to really control that where I was going, uh, was like, uh, freaking me out. So then I kind of didn't want to keep going into it because I'm like, I don't know. I didn't like that feeling. That was really weird. And so if people want to get into this, 
what what do you recommend is a great way to start experimenting with this for newbies? Well, I mean, there's, there's newbies. many different methods. Um, um, I mean, uh, I, I guess anybody could just get a book and start practicing it. Um, with me, when I when I take up practicing myself and when I teach others, uh, I go basically on the at least a two-step progression. Um, the first thing, because I, I, I try to teach people in such a way and, of course, practice myself in such a way where it's guaranteed to work and more of a scientific approach. So I'll say the first thing you want to do is develop basic skills. Like um, in our society today, is even uh, 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 applauded to have poor concentration. They call it multitasking. Right? So it's like it's even a job requirement yes, it to is. have yeah. poor concentration in some jobs. Right. So first you have to learn how to concentrate practice concentration, practice meditation, practice relaxation. Um, then after you develop these basic skills, you can then apply those skills to what I call state acquisition. Uh, so my whole methodology is based upon getting into a deeper alter, or altered state of consciousness while remaining lucid. So basically, uh, my understanding of the brainwave states is right now when the beta state, the waking state, where your brain waves are cycling faster, let's say 15 to 30, uh, is making 15 to 30 hertz uh, 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 waves if you hook you up to an EEG machine. And even if you just close your eyes and relax a bit, you start to, to make more alpha waves, which is sort of a lightly relaxed state. Um, then you slow, slow down a bit more, you get to the theta state. Or you between about four to seven or four to eight cycles per second. Um, this is the state you're in when you're in REM sleep. Uh, this is the state you're in uh, when you're dreaming. And then the the lowest or slowest state is the delta state. That's deep sleep. That's when you're from like zero or point whatever to four cycles per second. Uh, so what I do is I practice a, a series of exercises, a series of meditations and visualization exercises. I call them a projection sequence to slowly get yourself into the deeper and deeper states of awareness while remaining conscious. And, um, and what happens is once you get to the delta state consciously, then you're out of body. So, for instance, a, uh, a, an experience I had where, uh, you know, I might sit down and and do what, do what I call the four to two meditation, where I inhale to the count of four, hold to the count of two, exhale to the count of four, hold to the count of two. I might do that for 10 or 20 minutes until I start hitting alpha. And what I found is, from my experience and from all the, the reading I've done, is when you start to get into these altered states, you start to perceive and experience various things. I call these altered state phenomena. So when you get into alpha, you might start experiencing tingling on your skin. You might start seeing little globules of energy behind your eyes. Um, you might start to see more structured uh, uh, things behind your eyelids. Like one of the things I see is a, if you imagine like a, like a bullseye, you know, a bullseye, there's a dot and there's circles around it. Yeah. Except it's made of yellow. So it's like a yellowish dot, a yellow circle, bigger yellow circle, bigger yellow circle, and they're moving as in motion. So imagine all the circles are closing in, closing in into the little dot. So it's a big, it's a ring of circles just constantly closing. And I will see that. And that's when I know I'm in a nice, full, deep alpha when I see those circles just constantly closing into the dot. And then maybe I'll switch to a different technique like, uh, like visualizing a shape. And I'll hold that for a while. And then next thing you know, instead of visualizing the shape, I'm starting to see flashes. Or maybe I see a flash of a face. 
And I know I'm in light theater. These flashes of imagery are a, a good indication of theater. Usually th light theater is sort of, uh, you see imagery, but it's, it's, it's color. So alpha is mostly like monotone, monochrome imagery. Theta, when you start to see colored imagery, you know it's, you're, you're hitting theta. Some, you know, I'm sure you've had experiences where you've gone to sleep, and before you fell completely asleep, maybe you start to see this little movie playing in front of your eyes, you've hit theta. So when I start to see very, very strong flashes of theta, then I know I'm in mid-theta. And when I see full screen imagery, maybe even a movie playing in front of my face, or I see a, a scene pop in front of my vision like I'm looking at a movie screen, now I know I'm in deep theta. So once you get to deep data, that's when you can start to initiate an out-of-body experience. Uh, and one of my big friends, one of my friends, Lewis, was a big out-of-body experience. It really turned me on to that theta delta uh, uh, line, as you can see, as a sweet spot. So when you're in very, very deep data, so for instance, a common experience I might have is I'll get to the deep theta state, and I'll, let's say, be noticing myself, uh, I'm watching a basketball game, for instance, and it's just this basketball playing game playing in front of my face, and I'm just watching it. Yeah. And next thing you know, I'm in the basketball game. I'm, I'm on the field, and I'm looking at myself on the field. I don't know, I'm in really deep theater. So then I just relax and roll out of body. So then I roll out, the imagery goes away, and I stand up, and I see my body on the floor right there. Uh, or you can keep on going until you hit delta. So what you can do is, let's, so let's, let's say I'm looking at this um, basketball game. Now I'm in the basketball game. I know I'm in deep theta. And then um, the basketball game goes away, and now I'm just looking at this deep void. I'm just like floating in outer space except there's no stars. Now I know I'm in deep theta, deep, excuse me, deep delta, and I'm, I'm in the void. Or I might just suddenly just float up. Like Amber was saying, and now I'm just floating out the ceiling, and now you've hit Delta. So in my experience, everybody goes out of body every single night you go to sleep because every time you hit Delta, you it's, it's, it's sort of like your physical body almost repels your physical body in a sense. I remember one time, uh, this is when I was in the, another good period of practice. I got out of body and I went out and I flew around and I did a few things and went to a few different dimensions. We could talk about the stuff I did. That was a good experience. But to focus on the, the process, so I went out of body, did a few things, came back. And my, my goal with that experience was I'm going to consciously get out of body. I'm going to do some stuff and I'm going to consciously get in body. So I think that's one of the very few times that I was. So imagine being fully conscious, like I'm fully conscious right now. You go sit and meditate. You do all this stuff. You're fully conscious. You never lose awareness at all. You get out of body. You travel out of body. You visit some things. No loss of awareness. You come back to your physical body to get back in your body. No loss of awareness. So I come back to my body. See my body laying on the living room floor. So I think, okay, this got to be pretty easy. Let me just go ahead and lie back into it. So I, I lie down on, in my body, the physical, the, the area it's in, and I couldn't get back in. It was just, oh. okay, I'm laying here, and I'm, uh, but I didn't freak out. I mean, by the oh. time I had hundreds, if not thousands of out-of-body experiences. So I was like, okay, it's, it's kind of weird. So I got back up, and I looked at my body. I said, let me just wheel myself back in. I'm just wheeling back, back. Okay, still not getting back in. So I, I sat there, and I thought, and what I concluded was my physical body must still be in deep sleep. Um, it must still be in Delta. So I just sat next to my body and just waited because yeah. I was like, okay, I'll just sit here. And after a certain period of time, I, I got sucked back in and was, and was woke again. So in my experience, whenever you're in that Delta state, usually you do like, like what you experienced, Amber. Yeah. You hit Delta and you just floated back, floated out your body. So maybe you lost awareness in between the time you close your eyes and the time you hit Delta and the motion floating towards the ceiling alerted you and i had that experience as well i would just suddenly feel emotion like why am i 
They're not sleeping? What a, yeah. What's this motion going on? <laughs> it's confusing. Then you open your eyes and yeah. <laughs> and, and I got stuck in my dream once. It only happened one time. I literally had to wait. And then the weird thing was, it's not TMI, but I had to go to the bathroom really bad. I had to pee. And I was, I was <laughs> like, I need to wake up. I need to wake up. And I couldn't. And I became aware that I was awake in my dream. And I'm like, well, okay. Guess I'm just hanging out here until my body wakes up finally. And I finally did something where I, I just sat down hard on a on, – I was in my grandma's house. And I sat down hard on her couch. And it just in the dream, it jolted me awake. I looked around the room. It was dark, but it, you know, probably two thirty in the morning or something. I was like, oh, "I'm out. I gotta pee." And I jumped out of bed. But it was the weirdest thing, like actually feeling trapped in your dream because you were aware I'm in my head right now. Like I can't get my body up, and and I don't know what like the difference between dreaming, lucid dreaming, and out of body experience. I I know they're all related. But I feel like, I guess, with an out-of-body experience that you practice, you can kind of start to control it, where maybe not so much, obviously, just in your average dream state. Or, or I know even with lucid dreaming, the idea is to kind of control. I don't know if you can comment on those three states. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Uh, in travel far, I do, I do uh, break those down uh, specifically. And anybody can read it. If you go to my site, you can read the book. It's there. And yeah. in my experience and in my research, um, I break it down like this. So you have your regular dream, your nocturnal dream, um, and basically it's just a hallucination. Just like how when you're, you know, you're in the elevator and you and you're waiting to go up to the top floor and it's, you're just sitting there and it's boring and you start imagining yourself in Hawaii, and you're not in Hawaii, you're still in the elevator, but in that for that period of time, you could, you know, in your mind you're you're in Hawaii, but it's pretty fuzzy. Um, when you come to, you can tell it was fuzzy, but at the time you're really taken by it. Well, when your physical body goes to sleep those hallucinations can become very, very real to us. And, and, and that's what we experience in my experience. A regular dream is just a hallucination, just like a daydream, yeah. except you're daydreaming while your, your physical body is asleep. So it, it could take on a very, uh, a much more realistic, uh, perception to us. Now, a lucid dream proper is simply being aware in that experience. Um, because I've had several periods, several experiences. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of experiences where I went from the conscious state and I went into that theta state and I realized it was a lucid dream or I've gone to sleep normally and I became lucid in a dream. And I was able to com- compare that to a regular dream and then go from there to an out-of-body experience and compare an out-of-body experience to a lucid dream. So in my experience, a lucid dream is different from an out-of-body experience. A lucid dream or just a hallucination. And if you're, if you're having a lucid dream and you become aware of your dream and it's really a lucid dream, and you relax and sit up, you'll sit up out of body. Ooh. Or you may, you may, if you're in, in a lucid dream and you come aware of a lucid dream and you shake yourself out of the lucid dream, you, you could find that you're floating at the ceiling right then. You're yeah. literally floating at the ceiling, hallucinating. Uh. And, but you mistake Ooh. the dream for being the, the, your reality, just like how we do when we're in the physical body. Yeah. So that's, that's step two. So you have the dream, then you have the lucid dream where you're just aware that you're hallucinating and you're aware this hallucination is hallucination. Yeah. Then you have... Then you have, so I actually add another um, category to that, which is the out-of-body experience with, with hazy awareness. So you can have an out-of-body experience, but not be aware that you're out-of-body, and it could seem like a dream. So I, I, if I was to give you a rough estimate, I would say half of our dreams that we remember and think of dreams are out-of-body experiences that we remember through hazy awareness. And, I mean, we've all had experiences where, let's say we had a rough night and we wake up, 
And, and when you first wake up, your physical world feels like a dream. You, you're groggy and you and you, you can barely open your eyes and your eyes are all watery and it feels all hazy. And it, it can feel like it's a dream when you're walking. Sometimes people, you know, they, they like say you mentioned a car accident earlier, there's been people who who had a car accident. And, it, and when it's, it was such a shocking experience, you could hear them say, well, it was like I was in a dream. It just it just felt so unreal. It still felt so surreal. Yeah. So. You can have an out-of-body experience, and you can have that same experience. You're actually having an out-of-body experience, but your awareness is, is hazy. Your awareness is not clear, and it can seem like a nocturnal dream. And you wake up, and you think, oh, I had a dream where I went and I saw my grandmother, but it was actually an out-of-body experience. Or you, ha- you had a dream, and you were in, I don't know, seeing Big Ben, because in that experience, I, was, I knew what was going on. But yeah. you could think you had a dream going to Big Ben, but you was actually out-of-body at Big Ben. Um, and, I could, and so one example of that is, um, so one of the things I wanted to do, like I, I did experiments to test to see if the out-of-body experience is real. And I mentioned my friend Lewis. Well, you know, he's like a master out-of-body experiencer. And, um, and, uh, so I wanted to do two things. I wanted to test, well, I guess three things. I wanted to test his ability. I wanted to test my ability and I wanted to test to see if the experience is real. So at this period of time, we talked every single day on the phone. So it was nothing odd for us to talk on the phone even multiple times in a day just about whatever or about OBE or about our day or whatever so what I decided to do was that night I said okay I'm going to go out of body and visit Lewis to to um to see what's up and I decided on a few things I said okay this is what I'm going to do first I'm going to make up some crazy word I'm going to tell him and see if he can tell me I don't remember what the word was but it was I don't know elephant pickle or something <laughs> and I was like I'm going to tell him elephant elephant pickle and if he calls me up tomorrow, I call him and he says, you know what? You made me out of body. You told me elephant pickle. Then I know that, okay. And then I said, this I'm going to do as well. Because in my experience, I learned that you could change your appearance out of body. Like there was about three months I was a female out of body, okay. for instance. And um, so what I decided to do was I changed my clothes. So I put on this, this robe. I, I, before I got out of body, I intended I'm going to have this robe on. I'm going to have this gold band around the center of the robe because I never wear robes like these white flowing robes. And whoever ever in their life saw a white robe with a gold band around the abdomen area of it. So I'm like, okay, that's going to be really odd. So if he tells me <laughs> I was wearing this white robe with this gold band around the middle and he tells me elephant pickle, then I know something was going on. Okay, so went out of body that night, um, but it was very hazy. If I didn't have the experience I've had, and, and of course, I w- if I wasn't able to confirm it with Lewis, I might have thought it was a dream. Um, but I was very hazy, very groggy. Um, I had I saw Lewis. We had this conversation, but it was like I was looking through this hazy field. Um, and, you know, we had this conversation. And um, then the experience ended, you know, because I wasn't practicing a lot at that period of time or whatever, but enough to get it done. So the next day we talked like normal. I did not mention a single word about it. We just talked about our normal stuff. Then uh, in the middle of the conversation, he says, hey, he says, D, I saw you out of body last night. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, tell me what happened. <laughs> and he said, uh, you was wearing this big, stupid white shirt <laughs> with this gold band in the middle. I said, really? I said, yeah. And then he said, you look like you was drunk or something. I said, really? So that, you know, so, so that was confirmation for me that the experience was real because he told me I didn't mention anything about it. I didn't tell him the day before I'm going to have this experience. I'm going to meet you. I didn't tell him I'm going to make it. I just didn't mention any of it at all, ever. Yeah. And he just brought the whole thing to me. So, but from my experience, it was dreamy. I could I could have mistaken it for a dream without my experience. And, of course, the fact that I intended to go out of body and see him. So, that's that's the third category. Uh, dream Out-of-body experiences that we're hazy in, 
that mistake to be dreams. And I've seen other people out of body, like I said, and they have no memory of it, but I know it was it was them out of body. And of course, then you have the fourth category, which is an out of body experience that you know is an out of body experience. It's a clear out of body experience, and um, and, and that's that. So that's the full category of experiences I have. So basically, uh, uh, the two middle categories, the the uh, lucid dream, that's an actual dream mm-hmm. that you may become lucid in, or a, lucid, a dream that's just a regular dream, or the out of body experience that you're hazy in. Those can very over much overlap, um, but the very uh, uh, clear out about experience is really the, the one that you know is definite. Um, I would just say uh, if you're unsure if an experience is a actual lucid dream dream or a hazing out about experience, sometimes you just can't know. Um, but sometimes you can you can verify something like if you meet somebody, um, sometimes you can uh, you know see an experience that you can confirm later. Um, but other than that, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell. If you do it enough, you 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 start to be able to uh, discern the feel of it. You know, I mean, there is a it is a, just a different experience. Or it, I mean, yeah. if you get uh, uh, how should, should I say uh, right? If you develop your expertise, um, you can start to discern a bit better as time goes on. But sometimes you just can't tell the difference. I was going to ask if there's earmarks to these, but I mean, I think that just comes with experience for you to really understand what the earmarks may be between what you were saying is a lucid dream and a full-blown out-of-body experience, correct? Oh, yeah. It is, it's, I mean, it is things you can tell, and ironically, I can't necessarily pinpoint, like, this is that. It's just, you know, you can kind of just, you can just kind of tell it's just different. The yeah. feel is different. You know, yeah. it's just, it was like we all know, you know, when we wake up from a dream and, and it's just a crazy dream, it's like, wow, I mean, you know, sometimes you could just know it's, that was just a crazy hallucination, especially if you, you know, if you if you dream uh, uh I don't know, like a pink elephant was was broke your car, and you know, I mean, yeah. sometimes it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes it's, if you're having a conversation with a loved one, maybe you want to think about that, or or uh, uh, if you're visiting a like, here's a very good example. Like um, one time, this is a, another period of, of frequent practice. This matter of fact, this is around the time I met uh, started to meet Okanos, and uh, I went out of body, and I didn't I didn't really have a particular goal in mind. Um, but I ended up in this dimension and, uh, and I saw four people. One of them was an ex-girlfriend of mine. And, uh, uh, so I went up and I talked to him, Hey, you know, and, and for me, it was clearly an out of body experience. I was fully lucid. I was fully clear. I'm out of body. There was no doubt. And, um, so I'm talking to talk and, and I'm talking to them. I could kind of, you know, I didn't expect them to understand. I know they was out of body, but talking to me, they were very lucid. And that's a very odd thing. Like you can meet people out of body. And they can have a very clear, lucid conversation with you. And you could even learn something about, about them that you can confirm later, for instance. But they have no memory at all. So, you know, you could kind of tell it's going to be like that because most people don't do this. But I went and I, I had a conversation with them. And I'm trying to talk to my friend, my girlfriend. And we, we didn't part on bad terms. We were still friends. We just didn't talk in a long time. It's been like two years. I still had her number. And um, I went to try to talk to her. And this guy was, like, very upset. He was, like, trying to stop me. So I figured, oh. Must be a boyfriend, right? He's like real <laughs> jealous, right? And he's like, you know, you know, you know, stop talking to her, leave her alone, you know. So I was like, cool. And she was just laughing or whatever. She didn't really care, but obviously he was very upset. So I, I you know, walked off and went flew around. And I remember when I turned around, I was in this dimension where, like, the ground trailed off and and rolled into the air. So you imagine like the ground became a hill, and the hill became like a rainbow, and the rainbow just trailed off. Who just very surreal psychotropic like like astral realm or whatever so i went back into my body 
and uh, I called her up and like, hey, you know, um, uh, I remember uh, I went out of body last night. You know, we talked about my experiences before. She was like, yeah, I was like, uh, and again, we didn't talk in like years at this point. And I was like, yeah, I saw you. I saw uh, this guy, and he was kind of jealous. I guess that's your boyfriend. And then I saw this <laughs> other two, this other guy and this other girl. He was like, that's so very interesting because I, I have a boyfriend now, another boyfriend, and I have my best female friend and her boyfriend, and we go everywhere together. Oh, she tells me. <laughs> so, uh, but, but she, of course, had no re- re- recollection of it. So, I mean, she didn't remember at all, but if she did have any memory, it would probably just been a dream because she, could, she couldn't even remember it at all. But that's an example of how uh, people go out of body all the time. They just, they just don't remember it. Well, and with, um, ta- with talking to people, too, and your out-of-body experiences, one of the things I read in your book that I thought was extremely interesting was that you met uh, Robert Monroe, who, of yes. course, is the guy that started the Monroe Institute, uh, his book out of, uh, what was his book? Journeys Out of the Body, 1971. Yes. And he kind of coined the, well, he coined the term, I think, out of body. And, and you're actually meeting him. In an out-of-body experience. Obviously, this, I'm going to assume this was probably past 1995 when he died. Oh, so, yeah. This is so, after his death. So this is like, are, are you meeting a memory, like an Akashic memory, or are you actually like somehow communicating with this person still? Like, In my experience, it's him. I mean, he, he has a, a, you know, somebody, this guy named Bruce Moeen, who went to the Monroe Institute, goes out of body and met him too. And I saw him when I saw oh, wow. Robert Monroe one time. So... You know, and he goes out and meets Robert Monroe, and I saw him together. So, in my experience, it's Robert. It's just after he's died, and, and other people are going and meeting him too. Because when you when you when you go out of body, it's it's. I mean, when you talk about it and you think about it, it sounds very ephemeral. But I mean, it's very definite. I mean, there's actual realms that are static, just like how you go to Atlanta. And it's a city, and it's there. And 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 if I go to Atlanta and you go to Atlanta, the buildings are going to look the same to each of us, even if we go on different days. It's it's a, it's a city, and it's there. So there's realms out of body that's like that. So the area I met him in was that that school. It's a natural school that's there, and and people go there and take classes. Yeah. And 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 he was just teaching. So, um, yeah. He, I mean, of course, now that's been years ago. So maybe he reincarnated again or something since then. But, um, but yeah, I, I met my grandmother after she died. Wow. And uh, so yeah, this they're this this the 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 mind or the soul or the astral body, however you want to call it, the person after after they've died. Essentially, it's just. And not about experience, but they don't have a body to go back to. So the experience oh. was just like meeting Lewis. It was no different. Just like meeting Lewis yeah. out of body and, or, or, or seeing my ex-girlfriend out of body. I saw Robin Monroe. It was really no different. Um, and you'll find that a lot of the the, um, the mystique that we have around the experience starts to fade away. It's really just a very normal experience. It's just it doesn't seem normal because we as a society marginalize these experiences and I understand why because I mean there's not a lot of scientific evidence to back it up but I mean if you do it enough and experiment yourself I mean it becomes very clear to you um, that that is really happening uh, uh, you know I think eventually mainstream science will catch up with it I mean when you when you get into these ET societies to them is real obviously they come meet us out of body and talk telepathically um, a lot of contact experiences happen out of body from different people around the world. So um, advanced societies are aware of it being a real experience, but it's a real experience and it's a different dimension and, and it's very plastic at the same time. Like there's, in my experience, um, the solidity of a realm depends on how uh, frequently it's maintained. In other words, how, how often, how steadily and how intensively does a mind 
project or maintain the image of that environment. So I've, I've made several different realms for myself, sort of. And I got the idea ironically from Robin Monroe. He talked about the place there. And as a part of the Monroe program, they would visualize this area, sort of like this clubhouse in the non-physical dimension. And they would just go there out of body. It, it's sort of like their launch pad, like they get out of body and they go there first, then they go wherever they want to go. Yeah. I made a few rounds like that. Uh, but then after I didn't visit them for months or years, and I would go back, and I would, be, I would see them start to, 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 to melt, you can say, back into inert non-physical matter. Like you'll see half a tree and part of a building. Like it'll be part building and part this like turn is like fading into fog. You, you can sort of sort of stay. So um, so there's different, I guess you can say, uh, raw, unformed areas of the non-physical that you can shape into your own realm and make it look however you want. So I've made buildings before. I've made grassy areas before, wherever you want it to be. And um, and it's pretty cool. And uh, and there's these communal areas like the school or like the park. And pretty much, I'm pretty sure, like if you have Robin Monroe, maybe all the big out of body explorers go go to places like that regularly, and you can go meet them. There's also places like the the void I mentioned. That's where I met my grandmother at. Um, it's very unmistakable. It's like out of space, but no stars. I mean, it's just just empty void. Ooh. I remember one time flying through it one time, and it's just endless. It's just like you're just flying. It's just nothing. Um, there's also the opposite. There's these these white areas where apparently it's just realms full of this non-physical matter there's no form to anything it's like you're just in the in this cloud and i flew through those before it's just in this cloud just keep flying through cloud it's just and um there's temples and and pretty much anything you could imagine somebody has formed out there and that's, you can visit it that's wild and, the, and even that, that kind of reminds me of like digital worlds like people that play minecraft I mean, that's, like get that's, together that's yeah. yeah and like I know it's like that's, that's what was popping in my head. Yeah, I, I mean that's this. our conscious level that we're all doing that. But yeah. then there's this other, other level where we're, we don't need the digital aspect to connect us and to build things. And I don't know. That's maybe trippy. that's the inspiration behind all this. Who knows? Somebody maybe maybe had some type of inspiration like Daryl's talking about here. Very uh, possible. Daryl, thank you so much for talking to us about this stuff. This is absolutely fascinating. You know, and the thing that that really grabs me, and it's a point that I agree with you on, is this is something that I think anybody can do. You just have to take the time and apply yourself. Yeah, like anything. Yes, like anything. it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort. I mean, if anybody wants to learn, I am still running courses and uh, research studies. They can go to my website and sign up. It's free. I don't charge you any money. What's your website? And, uh, is uh, Daryl E. Berry Jr. dot com, D A R R Y L E B E R R Y J R dot com. Yeah. Uh, everybody who applied themselves learned. When notice, I see everybody who applied themselves because, like you said, it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, even me, like, I, if I stop practicing for a while, it takes, you know, a few weeks to a month. You get back to into a few it. Months. Yeah. yeah. My first experience. And that's somebody with experience with it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and you can't under undervalue the, the because uh, I've tested it. Uh, every time I've started and stopped, like I've tried, I've read different books and tried different methods. I've tried different ways. I've experimented. And sometimes I've tried to, for instance, go straight to the out-of-body experience. And I finally say, I'm trying to apply the technique and I keep losing focus. I know I got to practice concentration. And then I try to get out of the body and I keep tensing up. And I know I got to practice relaxation. So <laughs> the easiest thing to do is just to just get all that out the way. But again, that could take a month or two just learning the basics. Yeah. But once you really get the basics down, then you have that foundation where you can start applying yourself to the technique. So basically, I just take people through a step-by-step and a research study as well so we can do experiments and and um, 
and, and I got also learned to better the techniques, you know, get to, to give you uh, an example before I go, mm-hmm. uh, before we end, it sounds like no you're problem. starting to wrap it up. Yeah. No, um, yeah. So my friend Lewis and another guy, I put together this research study, all three of us can get out of body. And the idea was for us to get out of body and meet. And, uh, and what happened is Lewis succeeded at going out and visiting manual twice. And uh, so the idea was well, I had this form on my website and everybody had to, if you thought you had a success, you would go and you would write your experience down yourself in your separate form. And then after you write yours down, you can go read the other person's. And it was so, so cool how their experiences matched perfectly. Like in this one experience, um, Lewis went and met him and he was actually at his computer in the middle of something. He's on the other side of the planet. So it was night for us, day for him. And he sensed Lewis come in. He sensed his energy. And he sent them this message saying, hey, I'm kind of busy. I'm, I'm doing something. Come back another time. And uh, Lewis was just l- looking around, but he could feel his energy. So the guy put up his energy field. Like, you know, those little techniques about putting up your aura. Yeah. He did that. Yeah. And it was like this energetic field that just pushed Lewis away, pushing him out the room. And uh, so you can imagine, I, I get these two journal entries. And, and manual side is, man, I was sitting in my room. I felt this presence come in. It seemed like Lewis. You know, I was kind of doing the middle of something. So I put up the energy that shield. Then he kind of went away. And then I, I finished doing what I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, Lewis puts his journal. Um, you know, Kyle, I went, I went and saw, saw uh, Manuel. And he was, I heard these fart noises. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I, he seemed kind of bothered by me being there. Then his energy just pushed me out the room. And then Lewis comes back and says, hey, you know what? After he reads this, you know what? I, I know what those fart noises were. I was looking at these videos online trying to put together this video. And I was looking at inspiration. And it was this video where this guy was telling a joke and he was making these fart noises. It would, and, and you could see them go back and forth and, and sort of expound upon what the other yeah. person said. Oh, I didn't even think to mention that. What you saw was me doing this. So it's just very <laughs> cool. So. And you could do experiments like that and confirm <laughs> that it's real. No, and that's, again... It I reminds think me of remote viewing a little bit, too. I was going to say that. That's something that came to mind also, is that, that there could be elements of that as a part of this, right? too. Yeah. Which I well, find... It, I would say remote right. viewing would be the theta state. So when you're in the theta <laughs> state, you can direct your attention to other places and look clairvoyantly. Okay. So that's where that's where RV happens. Okay. And if you and I've researched RV as well. I practice it a little bit. And uh, and what I find is, and of course you can read that from good out of RVers as well. They'll tell you when they get into the highest state of RV, they end up at the location, which is an out of body experience. Yeah. So you can say RV is on the way to having an out of body experience. RV is theta. And OBE is Delta. Oh, so there is so, a relation there. There's a relation there. I mean, they're they're yeah, they're, yeah. they're they're kind of no, I wouldn't say married together, but they have, they have a relationship, I guess. Oh, definitely. If you practice RV, you can develop OBE, and if you develop OBE, you will definitely be able to yeah. RV because it's basically like toning down your state a little bit and just that 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 um state that I'm in where I say I have this full screen imagery and I'm in the imagery. You could just direct your attention somewhere. Like I, I mean, I did tele- telepathy experiments with Lewis, and we did that. Just get into that theta state, and I was able, we was able to pass messages between each other. So that's all that state is, is just a theta state. Of course, that takes a lot of practice, too. Um, but, but OBE development includes that development, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So, well, we're going to put all you know, your, your website up on our site, of course, with the posting of this show, and direct people. Uh, to this as far as your book also and yeah you have the the book uh travel far a beginner's guide to out-of-body experience um and that does have as you were discussing it has these courses that's part of the book am i correct 
Well, you could say the book is the course book. So okay, all the, the information book, right. is there. So if somebody wants to do it on their own, they can go to the site and read the book and do it solitary. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it, it is set up so that we use the course. We use the book in the course. So we reference the book and we work through it. And it sort of puts a nice outline for the course. Um, and I find that it helps people when they work as a group. So cool. out of the way, any, anybody wants to do it, they can do it that way. Excellent. Well, Daryl, thank you. Can't thank you enough for taking all this time. And this is absolutely fascinating, fascinating stuff. I, I, I really, it's hard to get my head around these things. And I, and I, and I, and I it's the funny thing is I hear that. And I hear this often about, about these ideas. Cause I, I always say, look, I'm as psychic as a toaster. And it's like, well, no, you got to apply yourself. So it's just, it's me. I'm the problem here. <laughs> it's, it's not apply you. yourself. I mean, you're, you're a psychic, you're as psychic as you want to be. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of a loaded statement because a lot of people told me they wanted to learn out of body. But then it was like, well, did you practice your exercises? No, but it's like, do you really want to be? So no, yeah, you're not putting if, the time. If you apply in. yourself, then, then you'll have experiences as well. Ghostly Talk! <laughs>